All right, welcome in. Good to have you. Tracking a lot of stories today. And, um, you know, th- this this hearing involving Fannie Willis and and um the the man who is is really at the at the heart of all of this um when it comes to these relationships that Fannie Willis had with Nathan Wade the prosecutor who's hired um to to lead this this election interference case at a Fulton County Georgia the the question here is whether or not money exchange hands in a way that that would lead to some sort of impropriety. What we do know that Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade had had an intimate relationship uh, as Nathan Wade was going through a divorce. But all of that really is is on the exterior, because when you talk about the money that exchanged hands, the trips that they took, these exorbitant trips that were relatively pricey, whether it's on a Norwegian cruise line, a Royal Caribbean cruise, um, an Aruba trip. These were expensive and potentially came at the cost of, of taxpayers. So the question is whether or not Nathan Wade was was paid using public dollars, taxpayer dollars, um, as part of this this relationship that was fostered between Wade and Willis. One of the interesting parts in this case today, as I've been watching, um, Wade's firm was paid more than $653,000 by the district attorney's office since he was hired as the lead prosecutor. Willis is accused of financially benefiting from this, this work. Now, Ward has said that that they have a relationship. They've had a relationship for a long time, a, a, a friendly, personal relationship that changed. But Wade says that the two split their 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 expenses for these trips, that he paid for them up, up front, but then Willis would reimburse him in cash for certain travel. Um, And if you're dealing with cash repayments well that would be pretty difficult to prove in terms of of a paper trail and who's getting what money and what that money's for so this is a, a very interesting case and and certainly um potentially could could cause major upheaval or disruption to the 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 election interference case that Donald Trump faces in Fulton County. We'll talk to Steve Winter about it uh, coming up, a law professor at Wayne State, um, and and we'll we'll get his thoughts on it because certainly this is is uh, has some pretty wide ranging ramifications. In the meantime, uh, Donald Trump, another trial, the hush money trial in New York, is scheduled to begin on March twenty fifth. It's the first of four criminal cases that Donald Trump will be will will have heard by a jury. Uh the presiding judge in the case also denied Donald Trump's bid to dismiss the 34 felony counts against him. Uh, uh and and again that's not a surprise. Um but th- these cases now are starting to become much more high profile. These cases are are becoming more immediate for the former president. And 
and certainly this this all I, I think for me at least the the undertones of this Willis case can't be denied. I mean it 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 can't be denied that this particular case where most where where most legal experts pointed to the the Georgia case as being the one that could be most problematic for him um now certainly in question. So a couple of of important cases for Donald Trump coming up uh here in the next uh month month and a half. Uh also it broke yesterday during the show the Kansas City Chiefs hosting their Super Bowl parade, and a shooting broke out. Uh, A number of people were hurt, shot in that, including 23 people. One person died as a result. Many of the victims, the 22 other people injured, were between or under the ages of 16. Uh, And many remain in critical condition. Three people are in custody two of which are juveniles. Um, And as police have been investigating since yesterday afternoon, the motive doesn't seem to be terrorism. It doesn't seem to be uh, a, a, a grand plot in order to carry out a mass shooting at the parade, Um, but more as a result of a dispute between these people. Um, and, and that has left, look, I, I, you know, you look around social media, you, you listen to these news shows and it, it, look, it, it's awful. I, I, I don't know how else to characterize it. I mean, we have been down this road before and I, I've, I've told you my stance on it. It's, it's not a positive one. Um, there needs to be something done. And in, in, in this case, I don't know that anything could have been done again, no laws are prohibiting this from happening. And and now we're dealing with, with more people shot at a Super Bowl parade, at a happy event. Um, and, and I guess my question is, if, if you're dealing with issues or beef or if there's some sort of dis, I don't know how we are so quick um, or some people are so quick to resort to that type of violence, to resort to shooting guns at a at a celebratory event it's shocking um but for this this outrage that i see on social media that want that that uh it's i mean i don't know how many times i saw yesterday on on twitter or x or whatever this uh this thing about oh it's the gun it is the gun don't tell me it's not about the gun it's the gun it's the gun the gun is a is an item it's a it's a it's a thing. If you don't kick a soccer ball, is it a soccer ball? It just it sits there. It just it just it doesn't do anything. It doesn't roll, it doesn't bounce. It sits there. It's a, it's a doesn't serve the purpose as a ball at that point. I mean, it, it is a it is an item. You you have to have people behind that item. I, I don't I don't know why we, we go down this road. But I I think the reality is less, you know, less about the guns or less about the mental health issues. We are so quick to anger in this country. People are on, you know, what seems to be a tightrope at all times. People are too wound up. People get offended too easily. 
and 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 look, I don't want to jump ahead or make assumptions, but th- this dispute that police referred to, I don't know if it if it started before the the parade, if it's if it was a deep rooted issue that just came to light out in public at a celebratory event. I don't know. But people are just so quick to to anger and so quick to take this drastic, drastic action that has. And as we saw yesterday, the the impact of of dozens of people, dozens of people that are impacted now. It's sick. It's awful. I don't know. I don't know how you put the genie back into the bottle. But but it is a, a an awful situation. All right, coming up next, I want to get in more of this this Fannie Willis case down in Fulton County as Nathan Wade sits on the witness stand uh, as we uh, send you to break here. But certainly um, lots of questions. We'll break it down with Steve Winter, the law professor at Wayne State University, next on JR Afternoon. All right, so what is the ramification of this relationship, this intimate relationship between Nathan Wade and Fannie Willis. That's the that's the, the crux of the issue. Not only what's the 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 ramifications of that relationship. Was public funds used in this case? You know that there's less of a paper trail if Nathan Wade says that Fannie Willis paid her portion of these these extravagant trips in cash. Uh, it poses it poses certainly a big issue. Steve Winters, law professor at Wayne State University, joins us. Steve, it's good to have you. Good, good to be back. Uh, it, it talk uh, talk to me a little bit about this case. What are you seeing? Well, I, I see uh, an incredible um, lack of professional judgment um, on the part of uh, Fannie Willis as the prosecutor. Um, the you know she sh- what she should have done was um, regardless of the underlying details have been concerned about an appearance of impropriety um, and either not had a relationship with an employee on one version of the uh, of the timeline or not hired someone that she was having a relationship with. It's just, uh, it, it's to me kind of mind-boggling professional mistake. Well, when it comes to, you know, one of the things that, that the opposition is looking at here is the money. The money, the 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 public dollars funneled through the 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 Fulton County uh, DA's office that that you that is used to uh, hire Nathan Wade and his services as the lead prosecutor in this case, um, and and then and then conversely the types. It's not. It's really not clear to me what the what their theory is here. Um, so, um, if the theory is that. Um, you know, if they're alleging a, a fraud, uh, that the person was hired for the sole purpose of getting the money and then the, you know, uh, getting the mm-hmm. salary payments and then uh, would rebound for personal use, that that that's a pretty serious claim. Um, I don't know that they have uh, that the facts support that or that they have the sure. evidence for that. Um, that seems to me within the realm of the plausible, but it doesn't sound like what happened here well then in terms of in terms of the ramifications of of this impropriety or the, or at least the the optics of impropriety what, you know, what I, I think it's I, i'm willing to go say it's impropriety okay so so with that impropriety what what are the ramifications that's different than, that's different than self-interested fraud right fair that's enough the, but what are the what are the ramifications of this down the road then as it pertains to donald trump's election fraud case 
Yeah, so the, it doesn't stop the case from going forward. There's nothing about nothing that I've heard suggests that there's anything that would be a grounds for dismissal of the case. Um, there uh, may there may well be grounds for um, disqualifying the prosecutor or for um, sending it to a different office or appointing a special prosecutor. Um, I'm not exact 100% clear what the options are uh, under Georgia law. A uh, special prosecutor would seem to me to be the best solution, but I don't know if that's uh, actually possible. Uh, from what I've read, I think um, the, the ordinary course in Georgia would be to assign it to a different uh, district attorney's office. And, of course, the consequence of that, it would set back the case, uh, the timeline of the case quite substantially. Would the, would, would, would the evidence that has already been collected be able to just transfer over with the case, or would there need to be a whole investigative period done again? It would just be about the lawyers coming, getting up to speed. Got it. Which, uh, in a so case like this, I, I have to imagine would be pretty time-consuming. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's very significant. Which, which again, going back to my first point, is the, the just the complete failure of professional judgment here to put your a case of this importance and magnitude at risk in this way is just for me just hard to wrap my mind around. So, when it comes to what this this judge is weighing here. What 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 could be the outcome of this two day hearing uh, with with Nathan Wade and Fannie Willis? Well, the, the potential outcomes are quite significant. Um, again, the judges uh, I've, I've listened to only portions of the hearing, sure. so there's they're certainly trying to um, show that uh, uh, misrepresent uh, misstatements misrepresentations were made. Um, by um, by Mr. Wade and possibly by uh, Ms. Willis, um, and if that's the case, right, then there may be a significant liability for that, both in terms of um, their status with the bar, but also potentially criminal. Um, I'm not saying that. Sure, that's what happened, sure. or, with, or that that's the case. I, I don't know. I'm not close enough to the to the facts. Um, the um, I think the more significant issue is the question that the judge is whether the they have to be disqualified from the case. I mean, um, th- th- this this go, that go seems ahead. to me a realistic possibility. I can't sure put any number. In, in this case, it's so high profile, right? The fact that Donald Trump even indicted on these charges is remarkable in and of itself. But then you push to the fact that there was there was this this improper relationship that Fannie Willis then hired somebody who she had that relationship with as a special prosecutor in the case, um, somebody who was collecting a, 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 a absorbent amount of money, I would say, over half a million dollars in, in legal fees, and um, and then took trips together. The, 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 I guess the idea for me that, that even um, if this is allowed to go through, how does a jury look at this if and when we get to that point with Donald Trump, if they are allowed to, to stay on this case? Um, yeah, so it's not going to help them with any potential jury, assuming that everything turns out to have been above board. Um, I mean, you use some terms that I'm not sure I'm comfortable um, accepting at this point, um, given given what what I know and what I don't know about the case. Was it? I think it was impro- if they were having a relationship, um, she shouldn't have hired him. If they weren't having a relationship yet then she probably shouldn't have had a relationship with somebody who's a subordinate in her office. Um, to call it an improper relationship just seems uh, somewhat tendentious to me. Um, people have relationships all the time, right? They're just humans. And, uh, so there's nothing inherently wrong with having a relationship with another lawyer. Um, and um, you know, even an inter-office relationship would not necessarily be 
a problem, but of course she's this is a subordinate uh, relationship, so um, that obviously complicates it. So yeah. I, I'm just not comfortable with the characterizations, but um, I I think clearly this was um, creates an appearance of impropriety. Um, I mean the same thing. I, I let me just say the same thing about the money. Um, if two people are in a relationship and they go on trips together, obviously one or the, one or both of them are going to use the, the money they're earning legally mm-hmm. to pay for <laughs> to pay for the trip. There's nothing sort of inherently. So it, it, it matters a lot if this was if the allegation is that they that she hired him just so that they he can get this um, could get the money, then that would be a fraud. But if he's just earning the money as earning his keep as a lawyer on the case, and they're uh, going taking trips together, and or he's buying her dinner, or she's buying him dinner. Um, I, I think people are blowing that completely out of proportion. Well, and, and the idea that they kept this this relationship um, under the covers they they didn't tell anybody about this relationship. I, my... yeah, so that's the same thing. It's like we're making a lot of look. There's a serious ethical issue here. I, I, I'm um, quite um, quite critical of of her judgment in 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 this situation. Depending on you know whether to hire someone she's in a relationship with, sure. To, to, right, that's just a huge mistake, and appearance of impropriety should never have happened. Um, and I would assume that the Georgia Bar is going to look into it, sure. as well as the, and it should. Um, but uh, there's a lot of sensationalization, um, so it's sort of like, um, yeah, that's um, so. Yeah, of course, uh, if I'm in a relationship and I haven't finished my divorce, then of course I'm going to want to keep it private. Yeah. Well, and, and again, there's it's nothing, it's nothing wrong about no, that. no. But it's hard to tell, I guess, from an outside's perspective. It, were you cut? Were you not telling people because you knew that it was wrong, or were you not telling people because you had a divorce going on? Right, like th- those are the questions that we just don't have answers to. And again, I think that when you get again, when right. when you well, get a jury, it's going to be problematic. It will be. Pro- I yeah. agree with you on that. Yeah. It's going to affect their case, which is exactly why. From a professional and ethical standpoint, yep. they never should have had this relationship. Because Certainly. First obligation is to to the people uh, who are elected her is to prosecute yep. crimes, and, right? So yep. anything that that jeopardizes well, her professional responsibility is a a serious ethical a serious ethical professional. Steve brief. Winter at Wayne State University. Thanks so much again for your insight. We'll talk again very soon. Love to get your thoughts next on JR Afternoon. Uh, breaking news from the Wall Street Journal: uh, Egypt in. Uh, the the preparation of Israeli forces p- pushing so many people south in the Gaza Strip. They are building a wall as this uh, offensive by the IDF continues to push south with the anticipation of refugees coming into Egypt. Uh, an eight square mile enclosure in the Sinai Desert near the border, is being constructed according to Egyptian officials. Uh, For weeks, Egypt has sought to bolster its security along the frontier, the border, in an effort to keep Palestinians out, deploying soldiers and armed vehicles and reinforcing the fences. The new compound is part of the contingency plan if large numbers of Gazans do manage to get in. Uh, Pretty interesting. In the meantime... I'd love to get your thoughts on this Fannie Willis case, Nathan Wade case, because I think there's a lot of questions about the money, the impropriety, the optics here. And and even if they are allowed to stay on this case, this this Trump election interference case, then 
you know, I think from a from a potential jury perspective, this is going to play a role because this is less about Donald Trump. I mean, it's not about Donald Trump at all today and tomorrow. This is about their relationship and the potential impropriety that occurred and whether or not they are fit to remain on this case, whether or not their actions as it relates to trips and money spent is legitimate and they should remain on this case. I think either way, this case takes a hit for them. I think the optics are so bad that it is going to put a a, a gray cloud over this case for the prosecution as they look to put Donald Trump behind bars or whatever they want to do with him. So just keep that in mind as you watch this case. Because while it's going to go forward, I, I don't know that it's going to be thrown out. It is, I mean, if this gets transferred to another county, if this gets sent to another prosecutor, I mean, it's going to take quite a long time to get caught up on this case. And it it is going to push it back and back and back. And what does that mean as we get to November? I you do the math. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Let's hit a couple of texts and we'll go to the phone lines. What do we got, David? Yeah, uh, going back to the uh, parade uh, mm. with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Rod from Plymouth says, I thought there were laws which states crowds of 1,500 or more were gun-free zones. I don't believe science will solve the problem. Scratch that one off. All types of people commit all types of crimes every day. Yeah. How do we protect against those crimes? It's a bit rhetorical. No, it, it, we, you don't. I mean, at the end of the day, if you have, it, 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 like in this Kansas City case, right, where there was some sort of disagreement or, uh, you know, there was some altercation that led to this. Did the altercation start before the parade? And when everybody got there, it it, it spilled over into gunfire? Was it something that that got kicked off while they were there? Do these people know each other? I mean, there's still a lot of questions that we don't have answers to. Um, but that's exactly right. People are going to commit crimes. People are going to commit, you know, a vast array of severity of crimes. And, I, yeah, uh, the, you know, if you put a sign that says don't bring guns, that's not going to really do it. And I think that even the laws that are on the books, none of it would have prevented this. And this is what brings me back to the issues of, well, we got to do something. I mean, something's got to be done. You got to try something. But so far, we just kicked the can down the road. Another text from a 734 area code says, Chris, I think it's a bit incredulous for you to wonder how resorting to gun violence is becoming so prevalent in this country when your favorite former president bragged about being able to gun someone down in the middle of Fifth Avenue. Or is that just another of Trump's statements that you claim doesn't mean what everyone thinks it means? No, I th- I think Donald Trump was saying, first of all, I don't know, the, my favorite president, I don't know all that. But in terms of, of what Donald Trump said, he was, no, he wasn't actually talking about shooting somebody on Fifth Avenue. But what he was saying was, you kind of can't touch me. I'm Teflon. I'll do whatever I want and still get elected. That's what he meant. That's what he meant. Now, look, you can you can pretend and you can take things verbatim, which if you do, then, for example, your favorite president, since we can all just make assumptions, your favorite president talked about talking to the president of Mexico in the Middle East. So if we're going to go off of verbatim what you think people mean, there you go. 
then then that's your president. Because we can all make assumptions, right? 800-859-0957. Vernon's in Auburn Hills. What's up, Vern? Yes, I'd like to comment on the uh, Willis um, Attorney General in Georgia. Mm -hmm. Uh, My thought is she hired this guy, her boyfriend, with the sole purpose to funnel money to him so they could go on lavish vacations and squander it. This was not hard-earned money. He has to be able to prove an account for $600,000 worth of hours being billed. Is he billing seven days a week? I mean, he has to show what did he what what work did he do for six hundred grand? Uh, and I, he can't. That's the whole thing. She hired him solely just to funnel him money. He has never done a case like this in his life. This is the first time, and this is the president of the United States. That's the last lawyer you'd want would be a rookie. Yeah, you know, I think that there's some truth to that, Vernon. I mean, look, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it does seem to me that I find it at least ironic that you hire a person that you have a relationship with, right? If you want, if you want to take no doubt, if you want to take doubt out of this, and you want to make sure that you're bringing the best case possible, I don't know why you would hire somebody that you had a relationship with, other than to pay them. Oh, and then you go on uh, these lavish trips. Oh, and then she repaid you for your your uh, uh, the, the initial payment for these trips, but she paid you in cash. And there is no bank statements, he says, that would show that she paid her half of these trips. So it, it to me, it's at least ironic. It's at least very convenient, if if anything. My thinking would be, if they could have an accounting of what they did, the hours billed and what services were provided for those hours. $600,000, you should have a lot of stuff done. $653,000 since he was appointed to the case in November of 2021. That's right. Yeah, is he, is he billing Saturdays and Sundays? Or I have no idea, but... There isn't that many hours in a day for this guy to have that much going on. Uh, I do believe I heard him earlier testify that he did bill for 24 hours uh, at one point. That's fraud. To which he said that he didn't, he's never worked a full 24 hours in which he would would bill uh, somebody for. So, I I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it it does seem, again, at least convenient. And I think from an optis, optics perspective, if they are allowed to stay on this case, it's going to be a problem for the jury. I mean, it, it it has to be. And the defense will raise that as an issue. They certainly will. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Uh, if you want to weigh in on this, uh, you certainly can. We'll get your calls, your texts coming up next. Also, some interesting comments made by the CEO of Ford. I'll tell you what they're about next. All right, coming up at... 348, giving an opportunity to win some tickets to go see Santana and Counting Crows coming to Pine Knob Music Theater June 25th. So we'll do that coming up uh, in about an hour, as a matter of fact. Uh, it's going to be a great show. In the meantime, something that I had talked about um, at length, and, and look, I, I think I, I caught a little bit of grief from those in the UAW as negotiations were going on because you know, I, I think there is this, there's a fallacy that the autos would just stay here forever. I think that that's, it's almost like a given to some that 
that they will just be here because it's Detroit, obviously. Um, and when the union went about their contract negotiations the way that they did, Sean Fain was a bulldog. Sean Fain was relentless. Sean Fain would get on Facebook Live video updates and, and basically crush the auto companies. I mean, it was really stunning stuff. Forget about the uh, ditching the ceremonial handshake to start the negotiations off. No, no, no. We were way past that. I mean, we had Sean Fain throwing packets of, you know, papers and counter offers in the garbage. Now, as a as a leader, your people certainly took to that. Union members, not all, maybe, but but a lot, uh, appreciated that type of relentless effort to try to get the best deal for the rank and files possible. And I told you then that it's probably not going to sit well with all the auto companies. It's not going to sit well with the big three because things were done in a way that hadn't been done before. And, and, and again, pretty drastically different from how it had been done before. But in terms of, of, what I think I caught some flack on was this idea that you better be careful because these companies are businesses. These companies, their, their responsibility is to make money. Their responsibility is to make as much money as possible because they are businesses. And if that means leaving the area to go make as much money as possible, they will because they are businesses. That's not being radical. That's not even really being, you know, I'm not even really taking much of a stand. That's that's the reality. The reality is nothing is given in this world. Nothing is given. It's not a given that they would stay here forever. And and those in Metro Detroit, in Michigan, would benefit from, from the big three and their job creation. It, it's not a given. And so when the UAW was as harsh as they did, I, I said, you got to be careful with this. You got There's a fine line that you need to toe, especially as the union. You want to make sure that you're doing whatever you can for your rank and file members. But while not ruffling the feathers of the person who's, who's paying these, these, these wages, you got to be very careful. Well, now... Jim Farley, the CEO of Ford, told Wolf Research Global Auto Conference in New York yesterday that the company always took pride in its relationship with the UAW going back to the 70s when they avoided the strike. But last year, according to Farley, uh, the company looks to transition from, from well, as they look to transition from uh, uh gas-powered vehicles to electric vehicles, um, there is a possibility that that they look elsewhere for to, to build their vehicles. Um, he said, our reliance on the UAW turned out to be, we were the first truck plant to be shut down. Really, our relationship has changed. It's been a watershed moment for the company. Does this have business impact? Yes. Now, you're talking about a 33% wage increase uh, that runs through 2028. Top tier wages up around 42 bucks an hour. 
Um, and while the the Blue Oval has been really, I think they were the first with the F one fifty Lightning to kind of roll back production of that because the demand isn't there. Um, they are they are continuing to adapt on the fly. They are continuing to evolve on the fly. But that statement to me, and and partnered with, we have to think carefully about our our footprint, our manufacturing footprint. Well, again, what does that tell you? It tells you that, well, maybe we start building our our vehicles somewhere else. And he, he even talked about how some companies decided to to build vehicles in places like Mexico. Uh, and he says that it was the that that certainly building their vehicles, their trucks in the United States, mostly by union members, um, it came at a higher cost than some others that were that were building vehicles by non-union members. But he said it was the right kind of cost. But but after these, after this round of negotiation, after this deal, after the 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 lengths that the UAW went through, the the their the way that they operated this strike, it, it certainly has to ruffle feathers. And and I think that this is a very I mean a, a very it should at least be eye opening that these companies are looking at this saying, okay, well, we can come to this deal, we can we can we can agree that everybody needs some more money, that everybody needs to get paid better as the profits go up. All those things are okay. But at the end of the day, is this forever? Because the other thing I talked about was not only this deal, but then what's the next deal look like? What's the deal after that look like? Now, if you also want to tell me that you're bringing back these these rank-and-file workers to to a, 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 a where they should be in 2024. I got no problems with that, but it's pretty steep right away. And again, what do the next contracts look like? How about after that? So I think Jim Farley is being honest and I think he's, he's, he's right. That, that it's, it's incredibly difficult to operate these companies at this level. And when you're dealing with union workers, these are the types of ramifications. These are the types of discussions that go on behind closed doors, that that these relationships are not the way they were before this round of of strikes, this 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 round of labor negotiations. And 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 who's who's responsible for bringing those relationship back up to to the to the standard level? I, I would say Probably not the auto companies. So if you want to weigh in on that, it's there for you too. 800-859-0957. I just think it's very interesting. And I, and I told you that these companies were thinking about that. And I told you that it wasn't going to happen this time around. But down the road, as they, as they, as they plan for their future, as they plan for the future of, of automobiles and what that looks like, those, all of those discussions, all of those Outliers are planned for. They are talked about. And this is certainly no different. 800-859-0957. Got to take a break. Make way for the news. More coming up next on JR Afternoon. 
All right, welcome back. Three o'clock hour. Got your opportunity to win Santana and County Crows tickets coming up at 348. Richard Halpy joins me at 318. Also, Andy Levin. There is a group, Our Revolution, that is calling for Democrats when Michigan's uh, primary rolls around in, in just a couple of weeks here to vote not for Joe Biden as a way to send a message for his stance, his handling of the situation in the Middle East between Israel and Hamas. So we'll talk to him as well. Uh, very interested to, to hear from the former congressman. Uh, in the meantime, down in Georgia, Fulton County, the Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade hearing, day one of a two-day hearing, uh, rolls on, and Fannie Willis is set to take the stand. And, you know, again, I, I think that if you look at even the optics in this case, even the optics of Fannie Willis hired a longtime associate, somebody she's known for a long time, had a relationship, a sexual relationship, a, a personal relationship with this person who was then hired to become the prosecuting attorney in this case, the special prosecutor in the in the Trump election interference case. But this is somebody in Nathan Wade who has collected over $650,000 from the Fulton County DA's office. That's Fannie Willis's office. And there is a level that there, there at least could be a level of impropriety. And that's that's what this this hearing, this two day hearing is is set to look at. Uh, this this personal romantic relationship between Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade. And not only the six hundred fifty thousand dollars that was paid to Nathan Wade, but but these trips that they took together. These trips to places like Aruba, couple of of cruises. Um and and Nathan Wade says, well she paid me back later in cash. You know, I it just strikes me as for somebody who, you know, maybe doesn't want to have a paper trail, you pay in cash. <laughs> but if the optics alone in this case, I think, could be pretty detrimental to the prosecution in the Trump case, to, to you know, finding a jury that won't consider this. And again, I, juries are meant to, to uh use the facts the information the evidence that's propri- uh, that's provided in trial but at the same time even jury selection i think it this will become a part of this case but even if they get removed from this case if the Fulton County DA's office is no longer in charge right the optics alone are bad there there potentially was impropriety here and and if it gets kicked to somebody else, if it gets kicked to another county's uh, prosecuting team, they are going to have to start from scratch and comb over the evidence to to, to get up to speed, which is going to push the trial further and further down the road. So there is, I, I think, a lot of ramifications here for for the Trump case as as it pertains to Fannie Willis and the Fulton County DA's office. Um, meanwhile. 
Uh, updates continue to roll in from Kansas City, where 23 people were were shot, one person killed. Um, more than half of those shot and injured under the age of 16. Which I don't, I mean, you're going to a celebration. You're going to a Super Bowl parade. Um, families, this is a family event. This isn't an adults-only event. Um, and, and these three people that police have in custody, they haven't released much information. But the information they have released says that there was some sort of altercation, some sort of disagreement that led to these shootings. That led to 23 people being shot. Um, and, and again, I don't I don't know what the the answer is here. Um, you know, you had the, the crowd yesterday, specifically on social media. Oh, it's a gun issue. It's a gun issue. It's a gun issue. I, I just I, I, I don't. I don't know how you come to that conclusion rationally, right? Is it a, I mean, it's the instrument used. It's, it was a means of, you know, injuring 23, 22 people and killing another person. But, it, you know, there has to be, there has to be the handler. There has to be somebody who's using that weapon in a nefarious way. Um. And that's where I come back to the the the, the notion of, well, the, the laws didn't stop this. Um, and and it continues to, to happen. It popped up again yesterday. Um, as a matter of fact, I think I saw it uh, just a couple of moments ago. Um, a U.S. military base on lockdown because of a potential shooting threat. And we're trying to get information on that. Um, but so so this continues to be an issue. Um, but it's not taking away guns. It's not the guns issue. It's it's the people. It's the the people's issue. So. Yeah, we, we, we heard the thoughts and prayers we heard from people that that were, you know, I, I always I, I always love the people that say this shouldn't be a political issue. It's not a political issue. It's not a political issue, but lawmakers need to do their job in making sure that there are laws in place to prevent this. But well, if it's not political, why do you need lawmakers to get involved? Because you know it's political. Of course it's political. And and lawmakers oftentimes use it as a political football. Back and forth it goes. So, yeah, I don't I don't know what the answer is. And I I I I still haven't found the answer. But the laws that were on the books didn't stop it yesterday. I don't know what level of laws would have stopped it yesterday. Two people, two of the gunmen are are juveniles under the age of 18. So this this some this disagreement spilled over into a large crowd of people where children were present and 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 kids were shot. Uh it's a it's a terrible situation. I I don't I don't know I don't know what the the answer is. But I, I, I don't anticipate we, we get any movement on anything at this point. But it, it does show that, you know, anywhere's a target. Any, you can, and this can happen anywhere. And thank God for, you know, here, here's the other part, too. Those, those uh, revelers at the parade, boy, there was a crowd, one video, a crowd of people 
Once this guy was trying to run away, a bunch of people just hopped on top of him, tackled him, and waited for police to get there. I mean, these people knowing that something horrific is happening, shots are being fired, guns are going off, bullets flying, and people are 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 they're 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 heroes. They're they're stopping these people from getting away and being held to account. Um, it was pretty impressive stuff, pretty amazing stuff. When you consider really the the imminent danger that that existed at that parade at that time. All right, we got to take a break. Coming up next, Richard Helpy rejoins me. Helpy's three at three coming up. Uh, we'll do that next right here on JR Afternoon. Don't go anywhere. Always excited to have my my bud Rich Helpy join us. Uh, he's the host of Richard Helpy's Common Bridge, and Richard Helpy rejoins us here on JR Afternoon. Rich, good to have you. Hey, Chris. Oh, great to be on. How you been? Well, I've been all right. I mean, we, we're 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 following a, a a ton of really important stories. Um, as I know you do on the Common Bridge, uh, your, your podcast. Um, and, and I think we get a lot of, uh, crossover here today. We're, we're talking about what happened out in Kansas city yesterday. We're talking, um, uh, about these, these cases that Donald Trump finds himself in, uh, certainly the Fannie Willis trial down in Fulton County continues to be an important one to watch as well. But, but I know you have a plethora of things that you want to hit on. So I want to get right to it. Uh, first, uh, as we, as we get, get right into this. Uh, Richard Helpy, the 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 host of the Common Bridge podcast, um, you have been focusing a lot on mental health, uh, and and I think when you go on the the heels of what happened yesterday down in Kansas City, it's it's an appropriate time to talk about it. We have uh, we've had a recent show with uh, Kevin Fisher, uh, the National Alliance for uh, Mental Illness. Kevin's uh, was a victim of a tragic case. His son. Uh, ultimately took his own life. Um, and uh, Kevin used that to kind of empower himself to uh, fight the stigma of mental illness. Um, you know, people can say, hey, I, you know, broke my leg, I've got cancer, uh, but nobody can come out and say, you know, I'm suffering from depression or bipolar disorder. And, and Kevin is a, a very articulate man when it comes to talking about uh, how if we can't talk about it, we, we can't solve it. It makes people go into the shadows and not get treatment. And that was, by the way, we've had uh, Judge Milt Mack on a couple of times uh, and Dr. Victor Hong uh, talking also about this. And that's one of the things that they see. And, and what did we learn from Kansas City and down in uh, Houston uh, that people around these tragic folks who became violent knew it was going to happen, uh, but they couldn't outreach because possibly of that stigma. And, and uh, so we have to get ahead of this mental health um, issue. Well, it, and, and it, it also imperative. feels like too, uh, Rich, that, that we are so quick to anger these days. Oh, yeah. um, that we, we are quick to, to, to jump the gun. We are, we are quick to, to yell and get angry. And, and in the case, uh, you know, down in Kansas city, it's spilled over into gunfire and, and innocent people were caught in the crossfire at Joel Olstein's church. You mentioned that down in Texas, 
um, a mental health issue, certainly. But when you talk about people being medicated heavily, when you talk about just mm-hmm. the, the current state of, of the United States, it, it, there is this thing bubbling beneath the surface. We, we are we are far quicker to anger than I think, I don't know, at least in in recent memory. Indeed, and we've been fueled that way by a divisive political system uh, that is not finding unity. Remember, our current president was coming in as the unity president, and it's been fueled by a media model, which I hope is fading away, uh, that is designed to make us angry. And so the first thing we have to start with is what does good mental health look like? Right. And, you know, starts with you're generally happy and you're safe. You're not a danger to yourself or others. And maybe you're productive. Um, and, and look at the cases we have in the news, the, the tragic case in um, Oxford, Michigan, with the Crumbly trial, mm-hmm. where the parent, you know, the first parent has already been, hey, you didn't take care of your mentally. Um, right. And the, and, and, and the kid, the kid obviously is is has issues and is it. You know, the prosecution made the argument that he was reaching out for help and they were just neglectful. They they just ignored those health signs. Um, but but you're right. I think all of those things were at play. Meanwhile, you take a look at voting systems, too, on the on the Common Bridge podcast. Um, a couple of of candidates that are remain popular inside the party, at least to a certain extent. Um, but I think there is a part of America that that looks at these two that these at these two candidates, whether it's Biden or Trump. Um, and, and they're not particularly happy with either of those. But voting systems, voting equipment will continue to be a main priority as we head to November. What are you looking at there? Well, uh, the, the, the political system has uh, been gained by the two major parties. We have 70 percent of American voters want neither Trump nor Biden. And there's a long list of reasons for both of those. But our whole system is set up to keep other people off the ballot. Donald Trump didn't show up to any debates, just mailed it in, um, which is ironic given he told people not to mail their ballots mm-hmm. in. Um, which he has Joe since Biden, changed his stance on that. They, they are certainly embracing voting uh, mail-in ballots more than they were in 2020. Indeed, but, but Trump is still not showing up to say why he deserves to be in the Oval Office. He gets in front of uh, friendly crowds and uh, pontificates. Uh, we have Joe Biden. We had a report come out. A uh, special prosecutor came out and said, yeah, this guy definitely broke the law. Um, but you know what? He's kind of a weak old man, and, and we don't think a jury would convict him. Um, and, you know, the predictable uh, uh, lapdogs came out. Not one person said he didn't break the law, and nobody made a credible argument mm-hmm. that the guy that's in the White House right now has all his faculties. But this is what's being served up in the primary. The, the Democrats have spent millions keeping other candidates off the ballot, um, and, and the Trump you know, donors are, are coalescing around him. And, and you know, they forced you know, yeah. good people out of the race. Well, and I think and, I think people are disillusioned with the two party system, too. And, and the fact that there is so much money in those parties, there's so much influence and power in those parties that even if you were to find that that middle ground, moderate third party candidate, 
um, that that they just don't have an opportunity because there's no air left in the room. Also, I want to get to this too. Immigration continues but, to but be. Let, but let, before 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 we jump to immigration, voting systems. If our primary system was ranked choice, where he said, "Okay, Biden's my first choice, but my second choice is who," and it get and until somebody gets a full fifty percent, we'd have a different outcome. Mm-hmm. Or if we had a um, open primary, no affiliation. Who do you want to see running for president? We'd get a different outcome than the thing that's being crammed sure. down voters' throats yeah. right now. Yeah. Oh, so immigration. No, no, fair enough. Immigration is, is continues to be a bigger and bigger issue, especially in major metropolitan urban areas, places like New York, Chicago, L.A., um, but but as it relates to what these two parties are peddling to people, right? Republicans want a much more closed off border, at least to illegal immigrants. Repub- uh, Democrats s- seem to not have much of a policy at all. They're they're willing and and um, uh, I, I guess okay to allow these folks to just walk through. What's the what's the middle ground here? Well, the uh, the, the middle ground is that. Uh, we do want good, solid people coming into the country just like most of our ancestors did. We want to know who's here, why they're here, uh, and and hopefully have them assimilate and become productive citizens. This is not anything new for the entire history of the country. But listen to what the Democrats are saying. Hey, remember when Trump was president, we're going to have sanctuary cities. Yep. We're not going to obey any of the immigration laws. We're not going to tell our law enforcement to enforce immigration laws. Then it morphed to, hey, border crisis, what border crisis? Yeah. We don't have a border crisis. Well, then the mayor of New York and Chicago said, we got a border crisis. Yep. Okay, now we have one. Suddenly, we need new laws. We like, need new laws. Are- we need more money when in reality the, the, yeah. the, the laws just aren't being upheld. Rich, I'm up against it. Uh, always good to talk with you. Great insight. People want to find you. Uh, it's the Common Bridge podcast. Richard Helpy joins us once again. Rich, we'll talk to you next month. Thanks, Chris. See you yeah, then. Yep, you got it. I got to take a break. More coming up next on JR Afternoon, including this push to not vote for Joe Biden in Michigan's primary. It's next. Well, we are just days away, 12 days away. Unbelievable. Uh, 12 days out of Michigan's primary. And there are a number of people in at least this area, Metro Detroit, that have become disillusioned with President Joe Biden in his handling of the ongoing, a really tragic situation in Israel and in and, and the Gaza Strip with, with Hamas. And Israel has taken a hardline stance on this, that they want to root Hamas out at at the stem. But with that, there are obvious casualties, and that's what we're seeing in the Gaza Strip. But this political organization that Bernie Sanders started back in 2016, Our Revolution, is backing a, a campaign for Democrats to vote uncommitted in Michigan's primary coming up in just 12 days. One of those that are working with our revolution is former Congressman Andy Levin, who joins us. Andy, good to have you back. Hey, Chris, it's great to talk to you. Um, so talk to me a little bit about, about first of all, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on what's happening overseas. It's a, it's a, uh, I mean, a, a really tragic situation front to back, but, but, um, that there are obvious efforts to to root out Hamas, 
but there are there are uh, uh, costs to that, and certainly we're seeing that in the Gaza Strip. Yeah, well, I mean, to me, what happened on October, October 7th was horrifying, right? I mean, just unspeakable. And that's, it, it, you know, war crimes and everything. And then, so what is Israel's response? I mean, certainly it has a right to respond. But you, you know, and you cannot lay siege to 2.3 million people, no food, no medicine, no water, no fuel. Under international law, there's no military objective that justifies that. 28,000 people dead, women and children being killed at the fastest rate of any conflict since World War II, the most journalists killed ever, Gaza basically leveled, and it's just, this is not going to achieve you know, peace and security for a Jewish homeland there. It's, it's, it's not. And obviously Michigan is not just the densest Arab American state. We have a lot of other Muslims. We have a lot of progressive Jews. We have a lot of young people. We have a lot of people of color, all, all kinds of young people upset and not so young people mm-hmm. that, you know, this is not the way to have the Palestinian people and the Jewish people share the Holy Land in some way where they, you know, both have a place there. So my concern, Chris, is I don't want people who are upset about this to stay home. I don't want them to vote for Marianne Williamson, whose name is still there, even though she quit the race. I don't want them to vote for my my friend Dean Phillips, who I served with, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, and I, my, this is my personal motivation. Number one, it's it's right to change for the U.S. to change course and insist on a ceasefire and insist on a diplomatic process to lead to a two-state solution or whatever and work there, whatever the Israeli and Palestinian people can agree to. It's right, but also, I don't see how Joe Biden can win Michigan on November 5th if we don't change course. And so I'm saying to people in the community who are so upset don't sit home don't vote for one of those other people go out there and vote uncommitted to send the president a message i mean we've got like seven or eight months until november 5th sure this is a moment you know it's in a way the fact that the the democratic national committee moved the primary up here right It's a it's a time where people can send them a message if they're upset, and I think they should go vote and do it. So what what's the what is the message that needs to be sent to the president? What 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 is the stance that he should be taking on this issue? That we need it. That it's time for the carnage and destruction. There is no military solution to the Israeli Palestinian conflict. So uh, ceasefire now. And all the hostages need to be freed, and in exchange for freeing a lot of Palestinian prisoners, uh, there are many. There, there are you know twenty times as many prisoners taken since this conflict started on October seventh than there are hostages. So you know have a some kind of a fair exchange there. And I'll tell you something, Chris. I, Joe Biden wants to be a great president. I think you may not agree with it, but I think domestically he has been you know a really terrific president. I think he's done a better job, for example, of staffing an administration than Jimmy Carter, uh, um, um, you know, or Barack Obama or, um, uh, you know, um, Bill Clinton did in terms of recent Democratic presidents. Mm -hmm. But he needs to he needs to step up and boldly lead. The U.S. does. We need to get back 
and be the lead of peacemaking, um, you know, and not just, uh, uh, you know, subsidizing this war. I mean, like, here's something that really upset me personally. We, the New York Times did this huge analysis about how Israel, the IDF has dropped 2,000 pound bombs, many, many of them, not just on Gaza, but even on the places where they told Gazans to flee to. And yet since October, the U.S. has sent Israel 5,000 of these 2,000 pound bombs. And you have the same reporting showed very, you know, great reporting that U.S. military leaders said, we don't do this. We haven't done it in decades. We don't drop those humongous bombs that level whole neighborhoods on any populated area. We didn't do it in Syria or Iraq when we were going after ISIS. It's not okay to do that. So do you think they're lying? for Israel's... No, there's no... That's just... Nobody's denying that they... At least deny that they do it. Okay, I think they're saying, sorry, we're leveling apartment buildings and churches and hospitals but there's tunnels underneath, so you need that huge bomb, I guess is what they're saying, to penetrate the tunnel. Yeah. But that's not an okay way to go about sure. that objective. You know, uh, that's or, or, not jo- acceptable. Joined by former Congressman Andy Levin, and I, I only have a couple minutes left here, so I wanted to make sure I ask. Is your understanding from folks that have become a bit disillusioned with the president based on his handlings of what's going on at the Gaza Strip, that, that there is no coming back from this, that that his inaction or his inability to call for... Uh, to to stand on that 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 block and call for a ceasefire forcefully, um, his inability to have done that so far that there there is no coming back. Or do you think that there is a pathway if the president changes his course, changes his messaging, that they will in fact turn out for Democrats in in November? Such an important question, Chris. I think that there are some people certainly who are saying they'll never vote for Joe Biden again and and like that. But I think there are many, many, certainly enough Michiganders who, if the president changes course and gets this permanent ceasefire and leads on making a homeland for the Jewish people and the Palestinian people there together, I think enough people will come back and he can win Michigan in November. are Are you confident he'll do it? I don't know. I, I literally don't know, but I know he could. Yeah. What I'm confident of is that this most experienced president in foreign policy in a long time has the chops to do it, and I want to encourage him. This is the best way I could think of to, to save him politically and have him step up and do what I think he's fully capable of, which is, as, as you know, Jimmy Carter did, as Nixon did with China, sure. you know, lead on the peacemaking, lead on the peacemaking. Uh, former Congressman Andy Levin, I hope you'll come back, uh, uh, obviously a big year as we march to November 5th. I hope you'll come back and, and we can talk about a whole host of issues. Happy to do it, Chris. All right, that's Andy Levin. Got to take a break. Steve Courtney next on JR Afternoon. All right, 348. Need you to be caller number 9, 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. pair of tickets on the block to go see Santana and the Counting Crows in concert. June 25th at Pine Knob Music Theater. It's going to be a tremendous show. Official rules are available at WJR.com. Tickets are on sale starting at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, February 16th. That's available for you at Ticketmaster.com. Hello, Steve Courtney. Hey, Chris. How are you, laddie? What's going on? You know how it goes. Just happy to be spending quality time with you. QQT, quality time. Indeed. My friend Steve. Uh, and this quality time brought to us by 
the Performance Remodeling Sweepstakes. That's a pro right there. Performance Remodeling, a preferred partner of the Inside Outside Guys, kicked off another $100,000 window of opportunity sweepstakes. Request your windows roofing and siding quote today. Log into windowsroofingsiding.com to enter the Performance Remodeling Sweepstakes. Uh, let's talk about Tiger Woods, shall we? Uh, we've got the playing a little golf today. Yeah, the Genesis Invitational underway. Riviera Country Club Tiger reported there Tuesday for some pre-round stuff, and uh, there was something a little different right off the get-go. Long gone is the famous Nike swoosh. Please enter his new line, Sunday Red Apparel. <sighs> okay, so the name obviously. It's it's three words though, right? Yes. Sunday red. Yep. Uh, which is of course a, an homage to his uh, apparel choices on Sundays. He wears red. Um, also, the the logo is a tiger. Ah, that's very apropos. It? But it looks like it looks like something that was dug up in Jurassic Park. Yeah, it looks uh, kind of like a fossil. There's no question about it. And to be honest, uh, it looks like. You know, somebody just drew it on a BevNap after seven or eight beers um, and said, here, I think this works. Now, it does have 15 stripes signifying Tiger's 15 major championships. Uh, And in case you're wondering, well, what happened to the iconic TW logo, Mm -hmm. which was very well done. I mean, as far as logos go, uh, he lost it. Uh, That was a Nike property. Yes. Yeah. So the bottom line is this. Uh, happy to see Tiger swinging again. Uh, he's all of a sudden 48 years of age, Chris. Don't know if you knew that. Uh, this is his first start in an official PGA Tour tournament in more than 10 months. Uh, let's just cut to the chase, shall we? First round underway at the Genesis Invitational. Jordan Spieth pacing right now. He is at 7-under through 13. Patrick Cantlay is at 6-under through 13. By the way, on Cantlay's bag is Tiger's former caddy, Joe LaCava. I digress. What's Tiger up to? Uh, He is even par through 12. Uh, Three birdies, two bogeys on the front nine, two bogeys and a birdie on the back. So, um, you know, uh, just watching bits and pieces of it. He is striking the ball well. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we'll see if he can put it together, start scoring. And this is the same tournament, what, three years ago? Yes. That he got into that horrific car accident and um, nearly almost had his leg amputated. His right leg uh, has since bounced back. I mean, to a to his to a certain extent. I mean, as much as you can bounce back at forty eight. What did you say? 48? Forty eight. Yes. Forty eight years old, and for somebody who has had the the type of wear and tear in their body that his people forget how violent that swing was violent and and how much wear and tear that had. I mean, he's had all kinds of issues with his back um you know i want to point out uh in this vein chris you know he was probably a pro for two years back in the day and johnny miller uh yeah. the fine analyst on nbc would mention more times than not there is going to be a point in time he is going to pay for this swing yeah no it was just so violent it was so violent that yeah it it's it's really uh it's it's unbelievable the type of career he's been able to have. The, the the apparel stuff is so wild to me. You know, it's like it's the equivalent of Jordan leaving Nike and and starting all over. It's, well, I think um I think if you're Nike and you've got a conference room full of people making a decision, do we re up with Tiger? 
Uh, do we go our separate ways? Here's the thing. Again, Tiger's 48. Yeah. Don't know exactly how much competitive golf he has left. Um, sure. So maybe that figured into their decision. By the way, uh, Tiger had 72 pretty good holes at the Hero World Challenge. As a matter of fact, he said it inspired him enough. He thinks he'll be able to play one tournament per month this season, including the wow. players in March, the Masters in April, the PGA Championship in May, the U.S. Open in June, and the Open in July. Hmm. So he went off today, by the way, at 1225 with his good friend Justin Thomas, Gary Woodland. He'll go off for round two tomorrow at 254. Um, I mean, that's impressive. I mean, again, through the, the, the wear and tear, the stress, the surgeries, the trauma, it's pretty amazing. Now, getting back to his new apparel line, it's going to make a killing. Doesn't matter what the logo is. Are you going to buy something? Uh, probably so. I, yeah, same. You know, I it, will. I will. I don't care. The tiger is not very impressive looking, though. No, I know. It looks. It looks. It looks out of place. It looks out of place. I'm wondering. Is, is Nike done making golf apparel? Oh no. So are they going to continue with the TW brand? I. That, that's, that's an interesting question. Now, because they've really pretty much gotten out of the game of golf altogether. If they thought about that, would Tiger have any legal recourse? Maybe. I mean, they own the brand. Oh, man. You know, here's something that just crept into my noggin. Uh, the design of this Tiger with the Sunday Red, uh, was there a potential conflict if they came up with a legitimate Tiger with Puma? Hmm? Maybe. Sure. I Maybe. Know. I don't know. What made me think of that? Well, this is what... I'm a this is why you man. get paid a lot of money. I'm a businessman. Yeah. Uh, pretty soon, uh, Ken Brown, who will join us shortly, mm -hmm. uh, he's going to take up the game of golf. So he says. He said that? Yeah. Well, he dabbles He said he's right going to start golfing? He, he dabbles oh, right now. Oh, I'd like to see that. But uh, he's not very good. Oof. But he, he, he's just a beginner. Yeah. Well, all right. Maybe we should, we, we should probably get out there then. I mean, not today. No, that would be a fun group. I would like, I would like, uh, you know. Hey, how's your golf game coming around there, brother? Are you, are you really going to start golfing? You insult me. I come in here in peace, and you insult me. I start I, golfing. I didn't. Oh, oh, you are a seasoned golfer. Yeah. My middle well, name is Arnold Palmer. About that. <laughs> My middle name is Ken Arnold Palmer Brown. All right. No, I play every now and then. I'm getting better. Uh, what do you think about the new apparel stuff for Tiger? Um, it's kind of sad. It's like yeah. The last days of Groucho. Remember, Groucho used to go on Mike Douglas' show, and it was just wasn't what he used to be. And it's sad to see Tiger leave Nike. I mean, that was the, that was it. Yeah, the, it's just it's ball, weird. It's weird all thing. around. It's just all around. It was a hell of a run, man. Yeah, but I, why can't he be like Michael Jordan and just go beyond the retirement? Well, this is what I said. I, I why just, is he I don't. Me? I don't know. Jack Nicholson was that Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholson. But Jack's got his stuff, own brand too. Right, He's got the they bear sold brand. Stuff for years. Yeah, you know? I don't know. I just want to know if Nike's going to still sell that stuff. I don't know. You might see it in China somewhere. Or that, some, right, yeah. Some African nation. No, that's going to be interesting. Well, they'll, <laughs> you know, they'll wear the stuff. Tiger Woods hat <laughs> and Alliance uh, <laughs> NFC Championship exactly. game shirt. <laughs> oh, don't say it. What do we got going on today? What are we doing? Oh, we're doing a lot of stuff, man. We're going to talk about um, the vaccine and uh, COVID now has changed. We're going to do the movies with Adam Graham. We're going to talk about why Isaiah Stewart is punching out Phoenix Suns at night. Yeah, we didn't even get to that. <laughs> Isaiah Stewart assaulted people. Uh, before a game he's, that he's not even playing in. <laughs>
Uh, like that movie Friday, man. Ice Cube got fired on his day off. Right. How terrible is that? <laughs> terrible. That's the worst way to go about it. All right, Mitch Album and the crew coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. Have yourself a wonderful night.